Welcome to Momentum Church. Buddy! Man, we're talking new things, vision board, right? Like, I, have, I keep my vision board right by like my, my dream catcher and my, and my essential oils and my pink Stanley thermos. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm That's a horrible joke. I am not sliding vision boards. You'll laugh at me. I have spent this week about two and a half days on my own. I do it every year at the beginning of the year as I look at the teaching schedule for the year because I want to give you a discipleship flow. Amen? And then also I take time to make my vision board. <laughs> it's not quite as creative as the ladies are going to do, but I do believe in it, right? And so it's important for us to know where we're going if you don't have a target, right? And so how many with that, you guys have started resolutions? Okay, okay. This is not what the sermon's about at all. All right. So don't, don't feel guilty. How many is already, it's like, like, it's the seventh, like the resolution. Maybe tomorrow, Monday, maybe tomorrow, like tomorrow we're going to, right? Yeah, that's how it is. That's how it is. But, but um, today what I do want to talk about, I, I want to talk about something um, in regards to the start of the year and just going after what God has, amen? And, and I want us, if I had to title it, I would call it In Hot Pursuit of God's Best for My Life. Man, I, I don't know about y'all, I want you in hot pursuit of God's best for your life, amen? And obviously, that starts with hot pursuit of God, Amen? But I do, I want us to be a people that press forward into the fulfillment of God's plan for our lives. And what I want to do at the beginning of this year is just to challenge you to increase, say increase, yeah, yeah, your vision of what God wants to do in your life, but not just in your life. Like, like I, don't, I don't know about y'all, I, I don't want selfish Christianity, amen? Like, I want God, what are you going to do in me, but also what do you want to do through me? Amen. I know when we planted this church years ago, I was so worried um, because I came from a background where, where people kind of got blessed and you want to be blessed. How many know the altar is a great place to be blessed? Amen. And, and I was so worried though that I was going to start this church and I was going to attract all these people that are like, put anointing all on me and bless me. You know, just touch me, fill me. I want, give me, give me, give me, touch me, touch me, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I was like, Lord, I want us to have balance. I want us to be a place that serves, you know. And I probably pushed the pendulum a little too far when it came to the things of the Spirit starting out. We don't push it that, we, we believe in the Holy Spirit's move here, amen? But, but years ago, because we were looking for workers, you know, and I'll be honest, you all are incredible at serving the kingdom, I'm so proud of you guys. You served all through the holidays. What you did and accomplished just made a, a kingdom impact on people's lives. And I appreciate that. And so that vision of what God wants to do in us is important, but also through us. And so what that ties to is our mission as a church. And the start of this year, I'm just going to drop this on us just to remind us what our mission is. And this isn't pastor's mission. This is our mission, right? This isn't Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Corey's mission. This is our mission. And it's to lead people on an adventure to more in life through Jesus Christ. Amen? Every one of us gets an opportunity to lead a family member, a friend, you know, a coworker, how they see your life, going after the more that God has. As they see that, you're leading them on an adventure to more in life 
through Christ. And I had somebody last year, like, I just feel like our, our mission statement as a church is so us-centered and not Jesus-centered. Well, I get that, all right? But it's more in life through Jesus. Like, our connection to Jesus, Jesus wants to bring not more like stuff, amen, but more of God, more from God, and I want to do more for God. And as your pastor, man, I'm always going to challenge us to go after the more, the best that God has for our lives. Amen? The best that God has for this house, the best that God has for your family, for your house. That's what we want. And so more of God, more from God, and more for God. And when I say the word more, everybody shout more. more. Oh, say it like you mean it. More. more. Yeah. When I say the word more, there are two types of people in this room. There's the first type of people, you may have been the ones made resolution, you know. The first type of people are like, yeah, I want more. I'm ready for this, you know. Bring on the day. There's folks in here, I'm not easily satisfied. I want all that God has. I want to experience them in greater measure, greater usefulness. I want to receive whatever he has for, you know, there, there's people in this room like that. Like when you hear me say more, you're, ooh, your hackles get up like in a good way. You're like, ooh, I want that, you know. There's hungry people saying, there has to be more. I want more in my life. I want to experience more of God. I want to experience more for God. I want to receive more from God. Whatever God has, his best, I don't want to miss it. <coughs> but then there's a second group of people here, and I don't fault you. I totally understand this group. You hear the word more, and you're just like, oh, my heart sinks. Can't I just relax? I, I'm ready to rest. Can't pastor let me retire, you know? Can't can I just... If I'm not going to rest, relax, and retire, let me just at least rant about how bad last year was. You know, like, just give me a sec. I don't want to move forward. I, I'm just kind of licking my wounds right now. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I get that, you know. It's like the, to position ourselves to walk into more. Ooh, there's a rub there. And the reason why there's a rub there is because most of us in the room, we're already full. How many's full? Full agendas, full schedules, full lives. I get it, you know. And when you hear a word like this that has a little bit of a prophetic edge, because I believe it has a prophetic edge. I believe God wants his best for you. Hear that as a right now word. Amen. Don't, I'm serious. Do not listen to that and say, well, that's just preacher preaching first Sunday again. No, hear it as a word from the Lord. God wants his best for your life. The enemy has lied to you and told you you discount that. You can't ever walk into his best. That's a lie from the pit. Amen. God has a best, he has his plan for you, and don't deny that. But here's the thing, that idea of more and do more and more, it can be a little daunting because we're full. Life, it has a way of filling us with so much and leaving us with so little. We've seen it. You know, we're so full of regret that we can't grab a hold of what's next. We're so full of resentment that new relationships will never be founded. They'll never be established. God's best in relationships because you're full of resentment, full of frustration. No new opportunities when it comes to your business or new opportunities when it comes to productiveness on the work um, at your job, you know, because you're just full of frustration. I don't have any room for creativity. Can't you tell I'm full of frustration, you know? And now this preacher says, God wants to give you more. I'm full enough. You know, I get that. <laughs> full of schedules, full of stories. I mean, I, I don't even have time to engage in your story because my story, I'm sitting here trying to write it, and it's a real whew, nail biter. How many's had some nail biting stories in your life? This life? It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to. You turn the page with your eye you know, like this. 
Yeah, so I don't have time for your story because I'm all wrapped up in my story. And, and, I, and, I, and again, I get that. But I still believe in the midst of all that, God has more for you no matter how full you might feel. God has more for you to fill you with his best, to fill you with what is lasting, to fill you with what is truly purposeful, to fill you with what truly satisfies. God has more. Everybody, one more time, just shout more. more. Yeah, and I want to shout and preach today, but <clears throat> every time I raise my voice, I start coughing, so it's just this time of year, you know? And so again, my title, In Hot Pursuit of God's Best for Your Life, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3 and stand to your feet. If you're new, we always stand to honor God's word the first time we read it on a Sunday. And so Scripture, we're going to be looking at pressing forward into the fulfillment of the plan, the best that God has for you. In Philippians 3, 7 through 16, Paul begins to write to the church of Philippi, and I'm going to fast track down to verse 7, or no, I'm going to fast track up to verse 15, and then I'll come back and catch us up, all right? And so, Philippians 3, 15 through 16, let those of us who are mature think this way. I love that. Like literally when it comes to the idea of maturity, like, like those of us who are mature, and I never pronounce it right, I say mature, mature, well, how is it right? Mature, 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 I don't even like how that sounds. I like, I think mature sounds like classy. And you're like, no, pastor, it sounds like wrong. <laughs> Shut up. No. Um, when it comes to being mature, man, that's just on my heart for our church. Like this year, I just have such a heart. The word the Lord has been giving me this past week as I've been praying for us is just rooted. Like God wants us to be rooted. And I'm going to give you some examples of how we're going to be rooted this year before we finish today's talk, just so you kind of know as a church where we're headed. It's nice to know where we're headed. And so that idea of maturity rooted in God's word. Here he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone... Anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, Paul says to him, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So fast tracking, he's telling us, look, there's a maturity I have. Keep your eyes on me. There's a maturity I want you to have, you know, press toward that. And then as we go to the next portion, we're going to see how he begins to say, this is how I have walked into what God has for me. This is how I've walked into that maturity. This is how I've walked into that best that God has. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would just stir our hearts today. Lord, give us these, these, um, um, these tools, Lord God, to help us walk into the best that you have for us. And I thank you, Lord. Encourage people in the house today, God, those who have come in just heavy-hearted that it's a new year. They hope to have a light heart, but ooh, they're just heavy hearted. Lord, lift their spirits today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have your seats. <coughs> so the way the passage begins is Paul kind of shows us a lifestyle to model. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Some translations say dung, all right? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I'll go on in a second. Just get a picture of him grabbing a hold of God's best, grabbing a hold of God's righteousness. 
that relationship, right? And then in this hand, y'all been to the dog park. In this hand, there's a baggie. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, scatological humor. Well, kind of. But the thing I want you to get a picture of, we have that choice. We can walk around protecting our doggy bag, you know, my agenda, my stuff, all my things, all my, all the things that Paul said, I've just learned to count but dung, but rubbish, you know, but it's in a nice green bag, you know, and we can walk around, protect it, you know, or we can say, you know what, Lord, in 2024, I'm so prone to grab a hold of stuff. Lord, I want to set that aside. I want to grab a hold of you, your righteousness. I want to grab a hold of relationship. I want to grab a hold of where you're taking me, the best that you have. Amen? Amen? It's hard to hold on to both. Goes on, verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and we've all heard this before, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God has a call. He has a plan. I'm calling it his best. He has a purpose for every single person in this room. Amen? And you may come in here and just feel like I'm purposeless. No, no. God has a point and a purpose for every single person in this room. The thing about it is that purpose, that if you'll call it a destiny, it's in his heart. Amen? It's in his mind. And we co-labor with him to see it come forth here in this earth. And the thing about it is, I, I don't want you to get this flip, but listen, all right, your future doesn't depend on destiny. Wait a second. I thought you just said everything's in God's hands. It is. It is. And he invites you to take it from his hands. He invites you into a relationship where you begin to receive it and walk and experience his best. Amen. But that's a choice. So if that's a choice, your future doesn't depend on destiny. It depends on decisions. And some of you made decisions regarding all sorts of things. And, um, and, and I want you to make those decisions. I want you to make decisions based on your physical things, financial things, relational things. But I really want you to make a decision based on being rooted in God's word this year. And being rooted in his presence and being rooted in, his, 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 in prayer. I, I really want you to make a decision on that. Your future doesn't depend on destiny. It depends on decision. And, 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 and if I asked you, who's going to determine your destiny then? You going to let the devil? Nah. You know, are we going to let God? I want to let God. But really, technically, I determine the destiny that I'm walking in. It's my life submitted to the Lord that allows God. And isn't that crazy? Like, like I, I don't want to go so far on the free will side that it's almost like we just make a decision. We can do anything we want, and God will back it. No, that, that's not biblical theology. God is sovereign, amen? We lean into his leading and his direction. But I'm not going to lean in so far on the predestination, predestinated side either to where it's like, yeah, you have no choice. It's just God has this for some and not for others, and you just kind of hope that you... No, there's a partnership there. It's the destiny, the best that God has is in his heart, but you daily make a decision to walk after him. And so how do I know that best is in his heart? We see it in different people in scripture. And Jeremiah, the prophet, you know, the weeping prophet that needed to be raised up for such a time to speak to Israel. Um, it said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, God said. I knew you before you were even formed. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Say sanctified. sanctified. I sanctified you. That means I set you apart. Man, I want you people 
our church family. I want you to start feeling that. Like not an arrogance or a pride. You've been set apart. Like why would I be satisfied carrying this dung bag around when I've been set apart? Who's the master? Me or the dog? Dog should carry his own poop. <laughs> but I'm sitting here. I'm set apart, right? Apex of God's creation. That's what you are. And, and apart from God's righteousness, you are just filthy rags, your righteousness. But because of him, you've been set apart. <coughs> Sanctified, set apart. And it's not just being set apart. It's set apart for a purpose. That's why I like the word sanctification. Because God is setting you apart for an intended purpose. Something very specific. And so if your destiny originates within the heart of God, think about that. Can it be anything less than amazing? Like, can it be anything less than, like, like kingdom building? Anything less than, than family building? Anything less than what God, oh, no. But there is a specific point in which the potential of your destiny increases. There is one specific point in which the, the, the start of you walking into God's best increases. And this is deep. Are you ready? It's when you step out. Drop the mic. It's not real profound. It's just when you take that next step. That's what it takes. And at this point in this morning's talk, I kind of want to move into what does it take to get into that hot pursuit of God's best for life? If he has his destiny, his plan, his purpose, what's it going to take for me and you to walk, to begin moving toward walking into his best for our life? <coughs> Excuse me. And so often at the start of the year, as we said, people make those resolutions, what they're going to do, what they're not going to do. Decisions are made to, to see change in each person's life. Um, but you will never, ever step into the more God has for you until you first step out of a few things. All right? So I want you to move toward what God has. But you've got to step out of lethargy. You've got to step out of apathy. You got to step out of indifference, like like indifference. I mean, I even think on a Sunday morning, think about indifference. Coming to church with indifference would be, I got my parking spot. It's not the one I wanted, so I'm upset. And now I come in and 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 I get to greet. Oh, but I don't like that greeter that much. I know all our greeters are awesome, but that one, eh, not so much. Go get my coffee. Oh, it's a little bit cold today, you know. Come into the church, and they're not playing my favorite worship song today. Hear the preaching. Preaching was awesome. <laughs> Service is over, and before the preacher gets to the back door, you're in your car on your way home. Now, I'm, I understand that sometimes the preacher goes long, and you have to leave quick. I get it. <laughs> but what I'm saying, though, is just coming to his house with indifference, man, rather than, like, God, what are you going to do today? This is a holy convocation. This is like a holy, you've called us together as your body. And where your body shows up, the Bible says the spirit shows up, you know. And when the spirit shows up, there's freedom, there's liberty. Who's going to get delivered today? Who's going to get set free in this house today? Amen. Who's going to get healed in here today? Like, like who's going to have a prophetic word? Something God speaks directly to their heart today. Ooh, man. So you come into the house of God ready to participate, to be used of God, not just to receive. You know what I love about momentum? Y'all have learned to not wait to pray for people at the altars. And I love that. I, there's hardly a Sunday goes by, I don't see somebody out in the hallway somewhere getting hands laid on by a fellow church person not waiting for staff. Why? Because we don't have like a special, you know, like, 
don't know, like access to God. It's the same root, same thing I'm talking about, right? The same path that I'm talking about. <laughs> and I love it that you come in without that heart of indifference. And you're just like, Lord, what are you going to do today? Amen? I think Sundays would be a whole lot different if we showed up with some expectancy like that. Amen? And so indifference, you know, and, 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 and until you begin to make those steps beyond lethargy, lethargy, apathy, and indifference, you'll never get beyond those things like addictions and hindrances and various obstacles, right? I want you to look back here in Philippians one more time. We're going to kind of break this down. The passage from 12 to 14 is just full of hope and vision. You know, God has something. He's pressing on toward it. You can tell he's got vision in his heart, vision in his eyes. I'm leaving everything else behind. I'm going after what God has. That's so beautiful. And, and Paul got it. He understood Jesus has his hands on your future. He gets it, you know. But the thing about it is, is that the future you're pursuing? Because I just personally believe that God has his hand on the best for us. But if we're not in hands with God, we can pursue a future that's not the future, the best that God has for us. Amen. I'm going to show you here in a second the first vehicle <coughs> that it's going to take, the first thing it's going to take to be able to walk after God the way God desires us so that we can apprehend, we can get a hold of what God has. And so in Philippians 3.13, I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version, all right? And I, I like this version. It's kind of the version I memorized a lot of scripture in because when I was 19, I went into ministry. That's the Bible I got. And it was so funny. I would come back home to preach at my dad's church, and a lot of them old-timers were King James Version-only people. And man, I could preach, and they'd be shouting me down. Preach, Ross Allen, preach. And then I'd go to read my scripture from my New King James Version, and there was this one row of, of, of little women, little older ladies, that looked like they were baptized in pickle juice, you know. <laughs> and as soon as I start reading that scripture, their faces went like this. They got the, all their heinies got tight. You know. It's <laughs> true. And I start preaching again. They're like, that's right. Say that song. Say that. Preach, preach. It was just like, oh, I like New King James Version. I like ESV, English Standard Version. I like New American Standard Version. I like, there's a lot of versions I like, right? But this passage, I think, helps us to understand this a little better. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Up here it said I've, that I've already obtained. I don't count that I've already obtained. But the word that is translated in the English, obtained, is apprehended. I love that. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Y'all understand the word apprehend. It means to take hold of something, like to get it, right? To grab it, to, get, to, to possess it, right? I, I, that's what apprehend means. We have some police officers in the building all the time. Every service, there's usually police officers here. And you understand the meaning of the word apprehend, right? Yeah, you do. You, you apprehended my wife a few years ago. I don't have time for that story. <laughs> it's worth continuing to stay around here to hear that story someday. But yes, <laughs> Pastor Amy did go to jail. It was hilarious. And legit, like, like charges. I mean, it wasn't like, like she was... <clears throat> so, so Jeremy and my wife understand the concept of apprehending. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that policeman, he chases down the suspect in an attempt to take hold of the criminal. 
The apprehension of the lawbreaker is the object in that moment of the policeman's pursuit. All right? It's his purpose in that moment. It's why he was brought onto the force. It was why he was trained. It was why he was commissioned. It was why he was equipped. All these things so that he'll be able to take hold of or apprehend the object of his pursuit. And so now we can see here that Paul is saying, I want to apprehend. I'm going to let go of this stuff so that I can apprehend what God has for me. And it's a conscious decision. Goes on, Philippians 3.14, I press, say press, on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, the, the best that God has. I, I press. And that's where I'm kind of playing with the word in hot pursuit. Because pressing, that's, that's in hot pursuit, right? And so when the call full goes forth to that policeman, car 54, where are you? <laughs> Nobody in the building gets that. How many of you got that reference? Look around at these children. <laughs> It was an old TV show way back in the day. I know. <laughs> but no, when that call goes forth, it's time to roll, right? It, like when, when here on Bell's Ferry, if they get a call, and I looked up a few of these, like a 1031 crime in progress. Like, it's time to go. And I'm probably saying that wrong. Jeremy's like, no, that's wrong. 1032, man with a gun? Maybe. Man with a 32? No. <laughs> I was trying to figure out why they call them these. But here's the thing, when they hear that call go forth, it's not time to be eating a donut anymore. Not that, the only reason why I say that stereotype is because a lot of them are my friends. And it's true. It's, It's accurate. But I guarantee you right now, that call goes forth and Jeremy is dropping everything. Maple, Eclair, it's dropped. And he is off to chase that object of his pursuit, right? Yeah, yeah. If he's writing a parking ticket, and there is somebody with a gun up the street, and it's a serious, get there. Stop writing that ticket. Ticket's important, but get there. They're stopping. And I just want to tell us, kind of the same way, it's time to get into hot pursuit, to chase after the object of your purpose, to get your hands on what you're, <coughs> you're trained for, right? And if we haven't trained you well enough, ooh, this year we're going to, Amen. So here's what it is. The policeman is not fit for his title if he doesn't launch out in hot pursuit. Would you be frustrated with one of your guys if, if you called and gave them a command and they're like, yeah, I'll get there in a little bit, sir. No, not fit for their title. And can I just tell you right now, church, it is not time to be shut up in some donut house of self-indulgence. But you don't understand, I want to pursue God's best, but I just really like this. I really enjoy this. I really want this. I really, I get that. But you can't hold on to dung and the best that God has at the same time. Right? Hmm. And so that didn't get in the first service. So you're blessed. Poop got into this service. <laughs> uh, but it's true. I just want that picture. You can't, you know. Or laying back in the coffee shop of indecision. Well, you know, I just, I'm not sure. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? What's my decision? What do I do? Man, I, I, I'm looking at a few business owners here in the room. Man, indecision isn't what got you where you are today. There was moments of fear and trembling, but you were decisive. Maybe not had all the answers. Maybe you were only about 70% sure, but God was making up that 30%. Amen? Mm-hmm. And now don't forget to tithe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've never said that before. That was funny. 
They're faithful. I'm just playing. Uh, it's time to step out and get into that hot pursuit that God has for us. And, and I want to show you this morning real quick, three things that God provides so that we can apprehend his best for us. And these aren't a formula. You know, it's not like God geometry, you know. So you have A plus B equals C, right? And, and a lot of times we want faith to work that way, okay? But can I just be honest with you? Faith, is, faith isn't logical. It's not. It's not. We try as Christians to make a case for it to be a lot. Logic is based in sight, taste, senses. You know what I mean? It, there is something about faith that goes beyond logic. And guess what? That's okay. If it was all logical, man, and you could figure it all out, would he be God anyhow? I want God to stretch me. Amen? And so I'm not giving you a formula. That's not, I'm giving you key components to walking into God's best, all right? And so the first in the components is this. You have been provided a vehicle that will help you apprehend all that God desires for you. You have a vehicle. Yeah, just like that policeman's been provided a vehicle. And man, Cherokee County has some really, and Woodstock Police Force has some really cool vehicles. You've been provided that vehicle. Would it not be foolish to say, like if one of those policemen's like, I'm in hot pursuit, but I'm going to go ahead and try to catch this one on foot. You've got a mile till you get to the crime scene. Like, get in your car and get there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but some don't see the necessity of getting in the vehicle. All right, pastor, I'm confused. What is the vehicle? It can't be the police car. You are right. Psalm 37:23 shows us the vehicle. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. I love that passage of scripture. When I was young and high school, I was so worried about everything, about my future, you know, who you're going to marry, what career you're going to have, all that stuff. And I was talking to my brother-in-law, my Sunday school teacher at the time, and I was explaining to him everything. And, and he goes, Ross, don't get so worked up. He goes, in that scripture, steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You have a responsibility, and your responsibility is to walk righteous. That's it. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And so you take the responsibility of right relationship with God and let God take the responsibility of showing you the next steps. Whew, that worked, you know. I figured Amy was a good enough choice, and so I asked her to marry me. <laughs> she was. 30 years ago yesterday, her birthday was yesterday. 30 years ago yesterday, I asked her to marry me. That's crazy. Oh, man, we look so young. <clears throat> <clears throat> so here's the picture of it in the Hebrew. Um, it's, it's not that God's going to say, you want my best, and you take a step here. Oh, okay, I'll take a step there. No, that's, that's too easy. That's too logical, right? Right? God's like, I want you dependent, like in this whole journey. And so I had a dream years ago that we planted a church in Atlanta. This isn't quite Atlanta, but that was where God started working in my heart for a few years. And then the next thing you know, we visited down here, and we set our pop-up at Stone Mountain, Georgia. And every day we would drive around communities in Atlanta. And it just never felt that unction from God. And then we got into Cherokee County, and I was just like, whoa. I felt, I felt God's spirit. Like, I, there's something going on here. And then as we started looking at Cherokee County, I was just kind of like, Lord, I don't want to go there. They're so white. <laughs> I'll just be honest. I'd spent a lot of years in cross-cultural ministry, you know. And, um, and we were really white back then. And thank God God's bringing us all people, amen, into our county. So I love that. But, um, but I was just like, but the Lord, every time I would take a step, he directed my path. So I'm in relationship with him. 
and as I go, the Bible is saying that the steps of the, of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So in the stepping, he orders it. Does that make sense? Well, that takes a lot of faith. Exactly. Yeah, well, I don't know exactly where my foot's going to land. Yeah, you're right. But there's something about it. When you're walking in relationship with the Lord, even if you feel like that step isn't quite exactly right, guess what? God works it out. Amen. All things work together for the good of those who love God, right? Love, love is a sign of relationship, right? You have that connection. And so that is the vehicle. That's like the car that we are in. It's in righteousness. Now, when I say righteousness, righteousness is not being perfect, all right? Righteousness is choosing to stay in step with God. Righteousness is walking in right standing or right relationship or staying in step. I like to say it this way, walking in the divine stride. That's what righteousness is. And in this year, I want to teach us righteousness. How many like the book of Romans? And so what we're going to be doing, we're going into a series the next four weeks. I'll explain that in a second. And then we're jumping to the book of Romans. And for 2024, we're going to teach through Romans. Now, a lot of people aren't familiar with that kind of teaching style, and it might feel a little cumbersome at times. Like, man, we're going to go through the whole thing every week? Kind of. And so what we do, we did John a few years ago. We will go and have a series, and then we'll hit four to six weeks of Romans. And then we'll go back into kind of a felt need life application, practical kind of series. And then we'll go back into four to six weeks, seven weeks of, of Romans. And we'll do that throughout the whole year. A few weeks of Romans and then a series. And a few weeks of Romans. Sound good? Why is that important? Because Romans is known as the gospel of righteousness. Right, the gospel of right standing. How to walk in his righteousness. How to know your identity and who you are in Christ. Ooh, it's going to be great. Now, to get us there the next four weeks, don't miss next Sunday, we're starting a new series called Soundtrack. How many know there's a negative, broken soundtrack sure. that plays in your mind? Sure. Many of us in this room, you're never good enough. Yeah. You know, what will they think? I mean, there's lots of different broken soundtracks. And so we're going to, over the next four weeks, learn what it takes to flip the switch because we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? Yeah. And so I'm going to give you something very practical. That way you can build your life this year on those four weeks. Does that make sense? And then we're jumping into the gospel of righteousness. So, I love it. <clears throat> when I say righteousness, I'm not talking about you're not living holy and you need to get right. I'm saying you're living holy and you need to get in connection with the Lord even more. You know, like, like it's, it's for all of us. It's not, righteousness is just that walking after God in that divine step. And it's important to do that because Jesus knows where your future lies already. He's already laid hold of it. It said there, he's laid hold of it. So I'm pressing toward him. I'm pressing toward the mark. He's got it in his hands. <coughs> he, already, <coughs> he already has it. If you'll let him, he wants to connect those dots. And I can't get a hold of my future at times. I feel like I can't. But boy, I sure can't get a hold of Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Man, that relationship with the Lord, just that, that pure connection with God, you know? That time in solitude with him, that time where you start to make space, and next thing you know, you start to hear his voice. Things start to get a little clear, you know? <sighs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and so don't think you're going to apprehend, though, the best that God has for you by spending half the time in the vehicle and the other half on foot. A lot of us treat our righteousness that way, and we wonder why we don't apprehend God's best for our lives. Because we're half the time in a vehicle, 
walking in righteousness, and then we're half the time, nah, I'm going to let righteousness go aside, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And we wonder, and that's where I was, high school students, listen, when I graduated high school, for whatever reason, I graduated high school, went on a senior class trip, and went straight into the pits of hell. I, I don't know what happened. Like, I just went straight into embracing the world. I mean, I lived for God. I had even preached a couple times as a teenager, and, and felt like I was going to be in ministry, and, and I just ran from God for like almost six months, just running hard. And in November, man, my heart was just broken. Like, Lord, there's nothing out there. I've seen too much real to run from you. And so recommitted my heart to the Lord. And what I didn't expect was in March, I would be invited to go work at a church in Pennsylvania, eight hours away from home. No pay. We'll feed you. You can live in the basement. You know, it was almost like having a puppy dog. <laughs> Ross, lead worship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ross, eat. Okay. Okay. But man, I'm telling you, it changed my life forever. But I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. And can I be honest with you, when it comes to right relationship, I messed some of that up. I was young, I was 19. I messed it up bad. I, I, I told this story in the first service and had never told this story in my whole ministry, I don't think, publicly. And I was thankful mama's in heaven. Although she may still hear it, I don't know. But, but um, I smoked my last cigarette as a pastor in Pennsylvania. And I'm not Baptist. We were raised Pentecostal. That's holiness, man. You, you smoke a cigarette. I don't believe that, but if you smoke a cigarette, you go straight to hell. I mean, that was how, you know, um, thank God we've got past a lot of that stuff. <laughs> I, I, obviously, in November, when I recommitted my life, I stopped everything, you know. And all those months, no problem. Because you can do good for a while, you know. And now I'm in Pennsylvania, and I'm in there about a month, and I'm missing Amy. You've seen her. She's, she's easy to miss. I mean, she's just, oh, I missed her. And I was missing Mama. And I was depressed. And so I went and bought a pack of Marlboro Reds. And I went up on this mountain. And I, the pastor never heard this story. And um, I smoked one after another, about four of them. Hadn't smoked in like six months, so it, it made me a little nauseous. <laughs> and I threw them away, and that was it. <laughs> Why are you saying this, Ross? I'm saying that that relationship with God isn't always perfect. I'm not making excuses, but in that moment, God saw me. He knew what was going on, and he was working with me, and I'm taking steps, and, and, and I'll fire my staff if they smoke. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't want you to feel like, oh, you have to get it perfect to get God's best. No, it's just right relationship. It's even on that mountain, in that moment with my pain, that was pure. I smoked those Marlboro Reds, pure. You know what I mean? God saw my heart. He knew what his plan was 30-some years later. It'll be 32 years this March. He knew. But in that moment, man, I just, that's what I was at. But God wanted me to apprehend his best. Yeah, he did. Excuse me. So that comes from righteousness, from walking out that relationship with the Lord. So it's not enough that the policeman has that vehicle. That doesn't give him the right to pursue the object of his pursuit. It gives him a vehicle to get there. But the right, listen, number two, you've been provided the authority that gives you the right to apprehend all that God desires for you. You've been given authority. Jesus, he gave his disciples when they were here on earth and, and he was here and he gave them authority and he said, go preach. And they went out in twos and they preached and it was dynamic. Lives were changed, but some things weren't happening. Some of the miracles they weren't seeing that Jesus did. And, and some of the, 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 the um, 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 
demon possessions, deliverance wasn't taking place like when Jesus did. I'll come back to that. But God still gave him a vision. God gave him a In other words, you're going forth in my name. You, you're, the badge on your life is me. So yes, you're in relationship, but I am your authority. Amen? That's identity. We're going to learn that in Romans, all right? You've been authorized by God to lay hold of your destiny. That policeman's been given the authority to arrest, and when he steps up to the car, there's an identity about him. The whole state of Georgia backs that man up because of that badge. Amen? And man, in Scripture, it kind of shows us where I'm getting this. <coughs> Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Remember, remember my mountain experience? All right, I'm not perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's it. Man, we're in him. Our authority is in him. His name is upon us. And if God has authorized you by his name, do you really think he just wants you to be a part of some little task or some little life change or some little? No, he wholesale wants to make a difference in your life, <coughs> in you and through you. Amen. You're wearing his name. We're the only body of Christ the world sees. And he's given us his name, his authority over us. You have that authority. And that authority, that identity in Christ will get you beyond your obstacles and such, right? But it's not enough to carry the title. And, I, and I, I'd like to preach longer on that title, but we're going to finish up here. We're going to deal with that a lot in Romans when it comes to our identity in Christ, okay? But that's the second part. So you have a vehicle. You have authority, all right, that's like that badge. We're in Christ. And then the final here, you, we saw those disciples when they stepped out. All those miracles, some of the miracles didn't happen. Some of the deliverance didn't happen. They come back to Jesus and what's going on? And he says, some things come out by prayer and fasting alone. In other words, yes, I have sent you in my name. But there's something that you have to do to increase in the anointing that I have. And that may freak some of you out. Because it's like, is God transactional? Yes. Oh, and the people, I'm not coming back. He's not transactional with salvation and his grace. But I do believe he's transactional when it comes to being used of him and by him. He gives us an invite to receive more. He gives us an invite to be in his presence where his power and and, and anointing just kind of touches us. It can get carried into our everyday life, you know. There's invites that we can respond to or not. We're getting ready to do a fast. There's an invite to respond or not. And so that third thing is this. You have been provided the anointing that gives you the power to apprehend all that God desires for you. See, the cop didn't just have authority. He has power. He's packing, right? And I don't know if I would listen to a cop that wasn't. Like in England, that blows my mind. They got a whistle and a bat. And I, and I think if I was a criminal and I'm running from apprehension and I heard, oh, good boy, would you please cease from advancing from my apprehension? I'm going to keep on running. But in the United States, they bust a cap. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord <laughs> same way with us though no sense in aiming at a target if you don't have bullets in the clip God wants you to seek him 
Amen? It was the same way with those early disciples on the day of Pentecost. Why do we refer to ourselves as a Pentecostal church, right? It's because on the day of Pentecost, that group of people that became the church that day were touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the rest of the book of Acts, we see what happens when people move in the anointing of God. I want that anointing back, amen? And I do believe the anointing of God touches the church collectively, but I think it touches us individually. And then when we all come together without indifference and we all come together as his body, ooh, then we see him show up in amazing ways, amen? <clears throat> so, God wants you packing, amen? God wants you to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit this year. Do you ever feel like your best is running away from you? Well, Scripture knew that. He said the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There's things that will run away from you, it feels like. And God wants you to move in His power and to take the, some of those things by force. And we're going to close. So, there are some things in your life you're not going to walk into until that anointing in your life increases. And it's His anointing, not yours, Amen? But there's some things you won't walk into until that anointing increases. And I want us to be able to take the next 21 days and do this fast as we seek God, as we tell the Lord, you are first and foremost in our lives. You're first and foremost in our families and our church. And that's what the fast is about, just prioritizing him at the start of our year. And so with that, we give up something for 21 days. So we'll start tomorrow on Monday. And really, we do 20 and a half days. It'll end on Sunday night, the 20. Eighth, and it ends at five o'clock here in the sanctuary. And we do something we call break fast with breakfast. And so we break our fast together as a family here, and we have like a breakfast potluck. It's a lot of fun. And, um, and so that evening at five, we break fast. So what does it mean to fast? It means to give up something food related with a the thought of, of, of a greater need the greater focus on God. I'm not thinking about my food. I'm not thinking about this dietary thing right now. I'm thinking about you, Lord, taking time with you in mind, you know? <clears throat> and so as a church, years ago, we would let people just fast whatever they wanted, you know? I'm not going to, I told Amy, I'm not taking out the trash anymore. Things like that, <laughs> you know? And um, so, no, but we used to, people fast tech stuff, you know, TV, I, and I get that. You can still do that. But a few years ago in study, we realized there's no place in the scripture. Obviously, there's no iPhones in scripture. But there was no place in scripture where fasting wasn't tied to food. It's always food and drink, right? So as a church, so we're all collectively on this, pick something with food or drink, you know, and it may just be that you give up a type of food. It may be that you give up breakfast or lunch or supper. It may be that you fast everything. I mean, I, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, and we don't like look around like, what are you doing? Oh, no, the practice is getting in stride with the divine, getting in stride with God, kind of stoking the fires of righteousness, relationship, right? That's what it's about. And then what's beautiful is on the 17th, in the middle of it, we're going to have a time of worship. <laughs> that night of worship is always spectacular because we're all focused on the Lord. It's just a powerful time. So plan on being there, all right? And so I just ask you guys as we close, how many of you are ready to walk in stride with God this year? That's righteousness. That's the vehicle, all right? How, how many you want to move forward in your authority and understanding your identity in Christ more? That's going to be his word, what he speaks over our lives, all right? I mean, I want you moving. I want you showing up with your Bible and a notebook and some pens, amen? Hungry to walk in what God has next for you. And then finally, do, 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 are you willing to do whatever it takes to increase the flow of God's anointing on your life? Not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others, you know? To seek Him, to fast, to, 
Be mindful of his words in your life and be obedient to those words. Man, that fosters the anointing of God. Yeah. And so with that, just close your eyes for a moment. Jesus, my friends that are here today, at the start of this year, we just ask, Lord, that we would just see your invitation to stride with you. We would see it as an invitation, not to quit stuff. What do we need to quit? No, no, no. It's an invitation to begin something beautiful. Lord, you, you deal with all the other stuff as we go forward. Let us embrace relationship with you today in a greater way. And then, Lord God, as you show us identity, Lord God, you, you'll, you'll take care of cleansing us. Let us be open to that, Lord, that we might have our identity in you and live up to that identity, God, because of your grace, because of your power making those changes in our life. Lord, we welcome your anointing in these services. Lord, this is your house. If, 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 if the start of this year, we say it right from this platform, Jesus, this is your house. Holy Spirit, you're invited. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, do what you desire. We thank you in Jesus' name. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.